0: Welcome to Shift of the Gaze, our theology for our times. This is Michael Kimpan with your host and my friend, Joanne Marie Terrell, the Associate Professor of Theology, Ethics, and the Arts at Chicago Theological Seminary, the author of Power in the Blood, The Cross in the African American Experience, which is available on Amazon, and the forthcoming title, The Way, the Wheel, and the Cross Toward a Womanist Phenomenology of Interreligiosity. Shift of the Gaze is a new bi-weekly podcast, a culturally, socially, and politically progressive space in which we discuss world issues and events through the lenses of art and theology, which we've abbreviated to our theology. All rights are reserved. Our opening music, Harry's Song, is from the album Don Hugan Sanctuary by Anders Paulson, used with the permission of the artist. At the end of the podcast, Dance to Life also from Don Hugen's Sanctuary by Anders Paulsen, is also used with the permission of the artist.
1: The title, Shift of the Gaze, comes from the doctrine of humanity articulated by the 5th century North African bishop, St. Augustine of Hippo, who, in his quest to find the origins of sin and evil, came to recognize instead the original virtue inherent in all of creation, ourselves included, And moreover, that evil is the privation or lack of virtue that humanity experiences when we shift our gaze from creation viewed through the mediating lens of an unchangeably good creator to the creation itself, which is utterly dependent on God for its identity, sustenance, and continuity. All this while facing the strictures of mortal existence, The four sufferings which the Buddha identified as birth, aging, sickness, and death. St. Augustine's concern was to rid himself of a troubling dualism in his theological worldview, in which the doctrine of God that he had inherited granted to evil just as much power and authority and sway over creation. Truth be told, The dualism lives on in many postmodern theologies that recognize the unyielding reality of evil. Even if we concede to St. Augustine that it has no independent substance, evil has had a long reign in human affairs, and it seems to be having the last say in the cyclical upticks of interpersonal violence, in the increase of worldwide violence against immigrants and landed folks and in various forms of human trafficking, in violence against the earth and cosmos manifesting in disappearing coral reefs, deteriorating ozone, and melting icebergs. The shift of the gaze can be in the slightest degree and causes a distorted view of the potential and sacred worth vested in chronically othered people, non-human animals, plant life, and other aspects of creation. It is our purpose to point out the ways in which humanity perpetuates the shift of the gaze and ways we can reorient ourselves toward the beauty that is and the beauty that can be when we privilege the creative impulses that abound in ourselves. The bond between art and theology is historical and almost natural, since theology's main subject, God, is invariably signified as beyond human comprehension. Thus, depictions of God, whether in iconography, storytelling, role-play, or other art forms, are products of human imagination, the stuff from which art is created. The word creation itself has so much cultural resonance in the world of art. In art, as well as in the God-talk of a variety of traditions, It presupposes a creator, about whom or about which our approach is apophatic, at once theistic and non-theistic. By apophatic, we mean that we say better what God is not than who or what God is, and that whatever we can justifiably say about God can at best only be signified through a consideration of our sources and not certified by our claims. The sources of theology we privilege are experience, including individual and corporate experience, as well as mystical, transrational experience, because some things defy reason. Nevertheless, reason itself, scripture from a variety of traditions, and tradition, which is not to us a dead repository of ideas, beliefs, and practices, but wells of wisdom to which we have some rights to, and some responsibility to resource and to contribute as well.
0: And of these things, may we be so reminded by the title of this podcast Shift of the Gaze. We begin with a consideration of Dr. Terrell's 10 Tenets of Art, 10 Interrelated Principles that will guide our discussions, which I'll read through in their entirety for us now. Subsequent podcasts on Shift of the Gaze will continue this discussion as we explore the meaning behind these ways of thinking specifically about art and theology, though both art and the study of the divine are both admittedly broad and general subjects in scope. On to Dr. Terrell's 10 tenets of art. The first of the 10 tenets is, everyone is an artist. The second, anyone can be an artist in any medium if she or he is, or they are, for our gender nonconforming friends, willing to be a beginner. Number three, art is not merely a product, but a process of letting something happen. Number four, artists let something happen by doing and not doing. Artists are practiced in letting. The fifth of Dr. Terrell's 10 Tenets of Art is artists move things around, whether words, musical notes, commitments, and perspectives, or paint on a canvas so that they can let transformation happen. The sixth, artists affirm the priority of story over performance, but the more practiced we are at letting the story be told through our medium, the better the performance. Seventh, Art can be utilitarian if it bespeaks alliance with life. Eighth, art, like beauty, is in the eye, ear, and heart of the beholder, hearer, and lovers. Thus, it is both the endeavor and the relationship between artist and audience that count more than the performance itself. Performance still counts. The ninth, art can facilitate or hinder prospects for authentic relationships. And the tenth of Dr. Terrell's Ten Tenets of Art is this. The artist's own capacity for transformation, resurrection, is ultimately what is being tested. Today, we launch our inaugural Shift of the Gaze podcast with this series of Dr. Terrell's Ten Tenets of Art by discussing the first, Everyone is an artist. One of the most imperative of our theological beliefs, and most certainly one shared with those coming from an Augustinian tradition, as does Dr. Terrell, and I'm admittedly considering an Augustinian reconversion myself, is the ideology that all of humanity is created in God's image, the Imago Dei as it is named, originating in the Genesis narrative, and being further bolstered by the humanity affirming prose in the 139th Psalm, where the scriptures tell us that we are, quote, fearfully and wonderfully made handcrafted masterpieces divinely created to reflect the very Logos of God. Our creator is an artist, the Christian holds, as do many believers across faith traditions, and therefore all of humanity holds the capacity, or perhaps, Dr. Terrell, you would say drive, to create in order for us to move appropriately in our world. This is an essential theological and anthropological belief. Everyone is an artist. Dr. Terrell, why is this the first of your ten tenets?
1: Initially, I offered this tenet to graduate students in my AIDS and Violence course as a confidence booster, as a way of encouraging them to explore the range of their creative gifts for the purpose of generating humane, positive, and profound response to the pandemics, both to the relatively recent phenomenon of AIDS, as well as to the primordial perennial nature of violence. When I made performance art a mandatory outcome of the course, The idea that everyone is an artist became essential in keeping the interest of seminarians who had come to the course expecting a more didactic or academic treatment of the subjects. The course became for them as well as for me an opportunity to address the pain of our past and ongoing experiences, to seek wholeness and relief from judgment and condemnation, and to give our families and religious communities rich data from our own stories to counter the apathy, silence, and disdain for those of us who are affected and infected that come from centuries of misunderstood and mishandled religious doctrine, Christian and otherwise. I convinced them that their self-presentation, from the clothes they choose to wear, their hairstyles, the makeup they use or not, the frames they select, the modulations of their voices, all these and more were indicators of their own aesthetical sensibilities. I used every gift that they knew they possessed and coaxed out those that they did not know they possessed, whether it was musical or pertained to tech savviness, carpentry or crafting, painting, acting, or generating publicity. Most importantly, I think, I affirm that as Imago Dei, those made in the image of God, they themselves were and are works of fine art, visual and performing, unfinished in the hands of their creator, bearing impact, having usefulness in making the world beautiful as well as hospitable. I have long believed that perceiving beauty, even in the press of life, is our first duty to God. This is a very Augustinian idea derived from his theory of original virtue that everything that was created was created good and perceiving the beauty and the good in all creation is a concept that I call sacramentality. I have recently come to believe that hospitality, the serving up of beauty, is every person's first duty to others and ourselves. Hospitality is the first religion. Thus, in the service of human liberation, art is everyone's work.
0: Mm. Hospitality is the first religion. That is a statement, as so many of yours are, that is profoundly theological and most certainly worthy of reflection. So thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts and reflections around the inception of the first of your ten tenets of art. Everyone is an artist, which, of course, brings us to your second tenet, and that is, again, anyone can be an artist in any medium if she or he is, or they are, for our gender non-conforming friends, willing to be a beginner. In your 2011 address in Philadelphia to the Society for the Study of Black Religion's 41st Annual Meeting, titled, So God Can Use Me, Privileging the Spirit of Creativity in the Academy, you said... As with time and skilled appropriate letting, the buried sculpture becomes a work of art, so an individual becomes an artist. From my earliest years, I recall I've always been fascinated with the way the great sculptors chiseled at blocks of marble and stone to unveil the underlying glory of such compelling figures as Michelangelo's David and the Pieta, Rodin's The Thinker, or Bernini's Apollo and Daphne, for example. The ability to reveal the potential of innate materials to create larger-than-life figures with exquisite detail has been and still is for me quite breathtaking. But as with any art, discipline, dedication to the craft and practice are what brought the results of these masterpieces. I think to when I first began to learn to play the guitar and the immense frustration I had and not knowing how to play the appropriate notes in sequence and in timing in order to play along with some of my favorite songs. It was only in my willingness to humbly learn and practice, training my fingers to harden with calluses on them and strengthen my grip to hold the neck of the guitar and the instrument for hours each day. This is what enabled me to become skilled enough to even teach music eventually, though I'm still under the impression that I was grossly unqualified to do so. Uh, yet the principle of being willing to learn as a beginner is one that is so very evident in, in a variety of other disciplines as well.
1: I actually borrowed this tenet from the Reverend Lynn Sanford Keppert, a former admissions officer at Chicago Theological Seminary, herself an amazing visual artist who uses a variety of media, paint, textiles, collage making, etc., And the tenet itself speaks to the permission we need to grant ourselves in order to do the things we like and to, as Alice Walker wrote in The Color Purple, relax, go with everything that's going, and praise God by liking what we like. I expand that to include doing what we like to do or would like to do but have never given ourselves permission to try for a variety of reasons. This tenet speaks to several things at once. The capacity for pride to stand in one's way of becoming proficient in a chosen genre. The gifted person's habituated reticence to call herself, himself, themselves artist because of professional standards. And not least, the failure either to perceive oneself as having been created as a work of art or to view one's self-representation as a work of art unfolding and unfinished. For oppressed people, pride, of course, is a two-edged sword. On the one hand, we certainly require what the father of Black liberation theology, my late mentor Dr. James Cone, referred to as somebodyness in the face of the historic, ongoing, relentless, utter negation of African Americans and other peoples of color innate human dignity to counter what Cameroonian Jesuit theologian Angeber Mveng referred to as anthropological poverty, and what Harvard social scientist Sarah Roy refers to as the ruination of entire peoples, the the determination of evil in the world. On the other hand, as Reinhold Niebuhr reflected, pride of power, knowledge, and virtue can be an excuse for privileged people to dominate and impose their standards. Well, guess what? Standards are just standard. When we embody a dynamic conception of what art is, then both what can be considered art and subjects of our adoration, respect, and love, as well as our capacity to see, to appreciate, and to make beauty exponentially increases.
0: All right, and with that... Our inaugural podcast has come to its completion. We hope that you'll join Shift of the Gaze Our Theology for Our World next time as we address the four interrelated tenets that broach the seemingly paradoxical concepts of letting and doing, or, as it were, not doing. This profound insight from Eastern religious and philosophical traditions easily translates into other areas, but most certainly is fundamental in its relationship to art.
1: Thank you to my friend Anders Paulson for permission to use his amazing art via the musical offering of Harry's song and our closing song, Dance to Life. May we enjoy the dance of life and remember, beauty is in the eye, the ear, and the heart of the beholder, the hearer, and the lover.